What is up, guys? This is Andrew. And Alyssa. And you're listening to Side by Side Podcast. This week, we are studying Genesis chapters 11 through 15. And if you didn't listen a couple weeks ago when we read through all of these chapters, definitely go back and listen to that. That way you're all caught up for this week. So we're going to start studying and just discussing through some of this. So, Andrew, you want to dive into chapter 11? I think so. I think this is just a great lesson for us is Abram. There's a lot to like learn from him, but also like just his history alone is something really interesting. We don't even get to start off with Abram. We get to start off with the Tower of Babel. Yeah, I think a lot of people forget about this chapter. It's kind of in the midst of everything else. Yeah, I feel like people remember the Tower of Babel, but they don't remember like its significance. Right. And like what happened. But I think the big part that I picked out of this was that God didn't confuse them to ruin their unity Mm -hmm. or their easy life, but he confused them because they were building the tower in their own name. Right. And so I think he wanted, because we know that God is a jealous God. He doesn't want other gods right. before him. God didn't want this tower for the simple fact that it wasn't to glorify him. Right. It was basically for the people. Mm-hmm. It was to make them feel like they're doing something. And so God wanted them to know that, like, you're meant to glorify me and worship me. Mm-hmm. And so, so he confused them by giving them different languages to speak. And uh, basically spread them out all across the earth. Right. At that point. That also makes me wonder, because this is like post-flood, and life before the flood was awful. Absolutely awful. To the point where, like we studied, Noah was literally the only good egg out of the entire batch. He was the only good one. And so I wonder if God was just continuing to learn and continuing to grow personally And he saw, okay, well, when I took Adam and Eve out of the garden and then they grew from there, they produced and they continued to grow. Well, when they all spoke the same language and they all stayed together, that's when wickedness happened because that's probably when the enemy was able to get in the most. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because they all spoke the same language. They could all communicate. So when the enemy would feed a lie to one person, then they could tell that to the rest of the people. It's a good way to look at it. And so they were starting to worship another god. The enemy probably put this thought into someone's head and it spread like wildfire. So they built this tower to worship themselves, right? Yeah. And so God put a stop to that immediately because he didn't want this to end up like life was before the flood. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's just that. a new way, to, a different way to look at it. Yeah. I think that's a good way to look at it. Also, but after the flood... I feel like life became a lot shorter. Yeah, because it goes through the genealogy at the end of 11. Mm -hmm. And you had a really good kind of explanation of why you think that life was shorter. Mm -hmm. Because we see that Shem lived 600 years before he died. (laughs) And And then we get the Nahor, who only lived 148 years. Which is a significant difference. Yeah. Like, that's generational difference in us. Oh, absolutely. So, but would you like to share your yeah theory on, that's a really good theory. I feel like that's <laughs> on the money, but. So the 
before the flood, they hadn't seen rain ever. Like, it just, it never rained. It just wasn't a thing. Like, they didn't have bad weather or storms or anything like that. So once the rain came, I'm sure that also brought a lot of diseases, a lot of illnesses and stuff because of that. And so, like, things like hypothermia or then, like, toxic water or good water, like, those all became things that they weren't used to having, having to test their water or check it or... Right. And then they were also having to tend for food. They couldn't just eat a goat (laughs) because that's all they had. (laughs) Like, with the rain, things started growing, and they had to tend for that, which they probably still also weren't used to, or what was good, what was bad, because things were growing. I think that's just a great way to look at it. Yeah. I think that's a good... Did you have anything else in that chapter that really stuck out to you? I don't think so. I just think it's funny that it's the Tower of Babel, and when someone talks on and on and on and on, like I typically do, it's babbling. (laughs) I think that that's a cool connection that we still use that word. Yeah. Well, then we can move on to chapter 12. Abram's Calling. Do you want to read that promise straight from Scripture for us again, Andrew? Yes. Awesome. So God said... To Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. Wow. What a promise. It really is. If you really just dive deep into it Mm -hmm. where abram's at right now abram is 75 years old yeah i think so like someone 75 nowadays Mm -hmm. would not be going on a walk to egypt no i'm 20 and i don't think i would have been jumping up in joy to do that nobody's going to travel to egypt at 75 nowadays no not by foot at least and then he had to take his family. It wasn't a lot at the time. Like, it was just his wife and his nephew. Mm-hmm. Like, very dwindled family now. Like, you have to, like, really struggle to see, like, God's promise I, if I was Abram. I've got three people in my family, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm 75 years old. Like, where's this family coming from? Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a funny promise to be obedient to. He's like, you're going to have this massive family. And he looks at his wife and his nephew, and he's like, really, God? You're sure? He was he was still faithful. He went still. Yeah. He was just a very faithful man in, in this time. Mm-hmm. He had full faith in God and what he said. And just another thing I like to point out is his continuous worship in verse 7 and 8. is as. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country, with Bethel to the west and I to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord, and he worshipped the Lord. And then he continued traveling south by stages toward the Negev. I feel like this is just a really cool thing about Abram is that he built an altar to worship God. Mm-hmm. That was the first thing he did. Yes. And that's the thing, like, with Old Testament. Like, nowadays we don't 
we don't build altars and sacrifice animals. Mm-mm. And I feel like a lot of people stray away from the Old Testament because of the fact that it is kind of gory. I mean, even just like when it described what happened with Shem, Ham, and Japheth and Noah, like that's not something you would think to read in the Bible. Yeah. I mean, goodness gracious, read Song of Solomon. <laughs> yeah, that is, we'll get there eventually. Eventually. <laughs> man, that is a, a wild bit of, bit of that's a wild book. Yeah. that is. But I, I'm with you. I mean, I think for a lot of people, it's hard to read the Old Testament just because it's hard to understand. It's a completely different time period. And the Old Testament's a lot of letters and whatnot. So it's a little easier to apply to today's life. But these Old Testament things can still be brought. Maybe we're not going to be stopping and sacrificing an animal or we'll see later what Abraham almost sacrificed, but we can still just stop and worship instead of, I mean, we get just simple, thank you God, we made it here safe, but just to stop and really worship is beautiful. Yeah. That, and I feel like the Old Testament just has like that, it's not laid out for us. Mm-mm. Like, you get into the Gospels and it's just you see the miracle, you see the miracle, and it's all explained in detail. Yep. But, like, you have to dig for a lot of the stuff in the Old Testament, which is tough sometimes. Right. I think it's so much fun, but it, it is. is tough. It is tough, like, especially with, like, some of the names they throw out. <laughs> we've we've got to bring the names up because they are ridiculous. <laughs> Look at the name difference. You got Peter, John, Mark, <laughs> and here you got Nahor and Shem. Like, yeah. Not normal names, but... I still think it's it's a good thing to dig into. Very, very cool. And then it goes into Abraham's first big issue that we see where Abraham tells a lie. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So Abraham and Sarai, his wife, were in Egypt. And Abraham said, okay, you are beautiful. Like, he is hyping this girl up. He's like, you are sweet. You are kind. You are beautiful. Just look at you. And he's like, so you can't be my wife. <laughs> She's probably like, what in the world are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, no, you can't. You can't, No one can know you're my wife. So we're just going to tell everyone you're my sister, which wasn't totally a lie. I think that she was a half-sister down the line or a cousin. I think they were related somehow, but they he wouldn't let them tell anyone that they were married because he was so afraid that he'd get killed because she was so beautiful. Could you imagine that happening today? I'm sorry to interrupt. No, but you're good. Could you imagine that happening today? <laughs> like Ryan and Tab, we'll use them as an yeah, example. Yeah, they're, they're our best friends. They just got married three weeks ago. Yeah. What if Ryan was like walking into a foreign land and he just goes, we're not married. You're my sister. Like, they're going to kill me. <laughs> She'd be like, this ring tells me different. Our <laughs> expensive wedding tells different. Are you sure? I think that was just crazy. Sorry, that was like running in my head. Yeah, but- no, that is wild. And she went, like, it doesn't say that she asked any questions. She just went along with it. Yeah. He probably hyped her up so much. And I was like, Sarai, you are beautiful. You are perfect in every way, shape, and form, except for the fact that you are my wife, <laughs> because I'm going to get hurt because of it. <laughs> oh, but And so when they get into Egypt, the Pharaoh asks, was this your wife? And he says, nope, that, that's my sister. That's my sister, all right. Good old little sis. 
And so then the Pharaoh takes her into his palace and then committed adultery with a married woman. And so because of that, God punishes the Pharaoh. The Lord sent plagues over the Pharaoh and his household because of the adultery that he committed with Sarai since she was a married woman. And the Pharaoh was like, Abram, why would you do this? You said she is your sister, but she is your wife. And we were just talking about this. I think it's really interesting that Abram didn't have enough faith to think that God was going to protect him, but he had enough to know that if he bent the truth enough to protect himself, that he knew he would get Sarai back. Because the Pharaoh probably wouldn't have given Sarai up had he not been punished. It's like one of those little kid things. Like, he only fessed up because he was found guilty and was yeah. got consequences for it. And so... He trusted God enough to know he'd get Sarai back, or at least hopeful enough that he'd get Sarai back. But, yeah, I wonder if that whole blessing got to his head. Who knows? He's like, I'm important now. I can't get hurt. But he wasn't going to get hurt regardless. No, no. But instead, now Pharaoh had a punishment. Yeah. And we'll actually talk about this again in a couple chapters, probably a couple, maybe next episode, because this is not the last time this happens, interesting enough. So... But then even after this happened, Pharaoh was like, leave, get out of here, mm-hmm. leave, go, shoo, scram, <laughs> anything he could say to get Abram out the door. Yeah. And so Abram being respectful of the Pharaoh after really doing him dirty, he leaves with his family and all of his belongings. Pharaoh mm-hmm. didn't take anything from him. I uh, basically just told him to take everything he has and go. He probably didn't trust him. <laughs> For real. I'd be like, is this a holy animal? And Abram's like, yep. <laughs> He'd eat it. <laughs> I wouldn't trust the thing he said after that. But yeah, so they leave. And so they go back to the original first altar that Abram built. Mm-hmm. And they're looking at the land. And it is not enough to hold Abram and Lot. The two of them together have created a very, very large... Some of things. Uh, animals and servants. Mm-hmm. Tents and food and... Yeah, and so there just wasn't enough room in the land that they wanted to live together in. Yeah. And Two's so, company, three's a crowd. Yeah, exactly. And so, basically, they were... The herdsmen of the two of them were starting to argue and bicker over who's... Who gets what? Mm -hmm. And so Abram was like, listen, like, Lot, I love you. You're my nephew. One of my, literally my only (laughs) relative left from my family. Yeah. Other than my wife. And so he said. Or his sister. Yeah. (laughs) Lot was probably so confused. (laughs) He's like, Uncle Abram, y'all are messed up. (laughs) And so he gives Lot the first choice, basically, on the land. And so Lot chooses, of course, the better half. And Abram's okay with that. He said, I'll take whichever one you don't. Mm-hmm. And so they split up for the first time in who knows how long. Right. And at this time, when Abram finally got to get settled in, God comes to him and reassures him. He says, like, this promise that I told you, you will have a great nation. Mm-hmm. Like, your family will be great. And basically just reassures him that... He is like a chosen person from God. Mm -hmm. And then moving on into, that's kind of the end of that chapter. Yeah, it's just that they split. That's the end of that one. Yep. 
it's an important one, but there wasn't not a lot to it. Then moving on to chapter 14. Yeah. Lot always seemed to let trouble find him. Just like we said that when he had the choice, Lot took the better half of the land. And Abram was stuck with the not as good half of the land. So the one where Lot ended up was Sodom and Gomorrah. That was part of it. But there was actually nine kings involved. So nine regions involved with nine kings. And So basically nine kings were fighting each other in a war. And Lot was around Sodom. And they ended up losing the battle. And basically Lot got taken as a prisoner of war. Okay. And so basically everyone and everything that Lot owned was taken by the other side of the war. Like the other kings that were attacking. Except for one of his servants made it out to basically tell Abram of what happened. Abram. Uncle Abram. Uncle Abram. Was not messing around. All right. He decides, I'm going to go rescue Lot. I'm going to do it. I mean, when you only have two family members, desperate times call for desperate measures. Like, yeah, like you've only got like your wife and your nephew left. Like, still wondering where that promise is, too. But he has 318 trained men. That is a mini militia army. Yeah. Like, (laughs) at his disposal. But, so basically, he actually goes and God favors Abram, Mm -hmm. regardless of his 318 men. Yeah. Because God always had his hand on Abram. Right. Which we've seen with Pharaoh, and now the the war. Right, a whole entire war. Abram ran into war for one person. Right. Didn't really know where he was, didn't know where to find him, didn't know what condition he was in, but he went in swinging, trying to find and protect his nephew. Yeah, Lot. And so, Abram won, and so, now it falls on to, to Abram. Now, all the spoils of war, from the whole war now, mm-hmm. basically rest in Abram's hands. Crazy. But, he gives it all back to the kings that were on Lot's side. And what a guy. One of the kings blessed him, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High who has defeated your enemies for you. That was King Melchizedek. Yes. And he ends up giving him a tenth of all the spoils of war. Yep. And the king of Sodom just said to Abram, Give back my people who were captured, but you may keep for yourself all of the goods that I've recovered. So you see the difference in their response. Right. First king, he says, like, all glory to God. Mm -hmm. Automatically, we know Abram's with him. Like, he's like, here's a tenth of all the spoils of the war because you know who blessed us Mm -hmm. in this war the second king said keep all everything he just wants his men back yeah he said you kind of scare me i don't know how you won with 318 guys running in after your nephew but you did and we just don't want to mess you just give me my people back exactly (laughs) but the funny thing is that abram still said that he won't take as much as a single thread or sandal, that way the king couldn't say that he's the one who made Abram rich or that Abram only got far because of this king letting him keep his 10%. 
Abram didn't want that to happen. He wanted to know that all of the things that he had been given were by God and that God had blessed him. And so he didn't he wanted to make sure that all of the kings who deserved it got what they deserved. Yes. And I think it's cool to look at like last week you thought that while reading it, you mm-hmm. thought he was kind of being like kind of like cocky. Yeah. Or something along those mm-hmm. lines. But like after really see, studying through that. Yeah, I just kind of see it as like he's just kind of protecting God's honor. Like honor and like glory. He's like, this is what God did for me. He's like, you did not do this. And basically, mm-hmm. he's protecting his testimony is what I like to look at it. Right. Very cool. That's why we study. Because from the surface, it seems just a little... I was like, well, why would he say that? That's kind of weird. But that's why we study. That's why we dive in. It's a really good example of that. Exactly. Alrighty. On the home stretch, chapter 15, God really hones in with Abram. And just reassures him and loves on him just so he knows the promise that was made to him. God actually came to Abram in a vision and, again, just reassured him and said, Don't worry, I'll protect you. You'll be great. You're going to be the father of many nations. Generations upon generations are going to come after you. And Abram questioned him a little bit. He's like, like, but how are you going to bless me with all these things when I don't even have a son? Like, I have... Sarai and Lot. Like, I don't have a son. How are all these generations going to come for me? I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, do I reproduce with a servant? Is that what you want me to do, God? He's like, because right now, I don't know. And God just said, no, I promise. More will come. Generations will come. Descendants will come. He said, look up at the stars, and you'll see all of the descendants that are going to be past you. And I just think that's really really beautiful just to be able to look up and see all the stars that God placed up there and we know that we sing worship songs about it all the time but I don't know I think that that's so cool that God really did place all those stars up there and that probably was how many descendants the ones he could see and the ones he couldn't see yeah it's just really cool and then it kind of goes into a darker path after God kind of reassures him Mm -hmm. he tells him like you'll have an easy life You'll die peacefully mm-hmm. in this land. He's like, but your your relatives later on will go through some hard knock life type deals. Yeah. They will be enslaved by the Egyptians. I don't know if it says, does it say Egyptians? No, it says they'll be enslaved by foreign land for 400 years, but he will punish the nations that enslave them. Exactly. How do you react to that? Yeah, that's heavy. I mean, after him literally just begging God, where's my generations? Where's my descendants? You promised this, you promised that. And then him saying, well, it's not going to be easy. They're not just going to be able to lie like you did to the Pharaoh and get away with it. Yeah. They're going to be enslaved for that kind of behavior. Even innocent behavior, they'll be enslaved for. Mm -hmm. Abram probably took a step back. He's like, whoa, I I don't know if I I want that. Like, that's a hard thing to think. We have any older people listening? Mm-hmm. Think of like your grandkids and your great grandkids. Think of them being forced to work and being as told a that they were sleeve. enslaved. Yeah, like it's crazy. Like that's hard if they're gonna go through that. Right. That's something that'd be weaning on my mind a lot. Me too. But basically, to recap the last well chapters eleven through fifteen. Mm-hmm. Basically, we got the Tower of Babel, where God finally was able to spread everyone out from the earth Mm -hmm. by confusing them. 
and then we just noticed the length of life just dwindled, which Alyssa's point of the rain, which I think is awesome. <laughs> and then we see Abram come into play with his calling and God's promise to Abram of being a great nation. And we see where he has his faults. Right. He lies to the Egyptian pharaoh about Sarai being his wife mm-hmm. and saying it's his sister. And then we get to chapter 13 where Lot and Abram split his nephew. They split, take different parts of land and go along their own ways for a bit. And then we see chapter 14, war. But we also get to see the favor that God has for Abram as he goes into war with 300 men. Crazy. 318 men. Crazy, crazy. Just to get his nephew Lot back, which he does get. Victory! And then we see <laughs> God reassure him in chapter 15, which is the like the struggled part for Abram where he he questions God for a minute. But God reassures him still. And I think that's just the good part about Abram so far, mm-hmm. what we've read, is that he's faithful and he listens. That's right. And so, but that's pretty much our, our summary. Do you have anything else? To- I don't think so. Just keep an eye on our social medias for sure. You'll get notifications on when we're posting and when new episodes are coming out. Reach out to us with any prayer requests. We'd love to pray with you and pray for you. But other than that, our next episode, which will be a very special episode, so make sure you tune in for that. We will have a surprise guest, which is very exciting. We'll be out on September 3rd. But other than that, I'll wrap us up in prayer. Yes, please. Awesome. Jesus, I am just so thankful for you. God, I'm thankful for you. Way back in with Abraham, all the way up to today in our lives at work and at school and at home. God, I just pray that you could just continue to be faithful with us just like you were with Abram in war, fighting for a lot as we continue to fight all these battles that come across us every day, whether that's with family or with work, health issues, anything. God, I pray that we can just be vulnerable with you and just be faithful to you, have conversations with you and just love with you, God. I am so, so thankful for you, and I pray that you just continue to bless our week and our time that we get to interact with each other. Um, You are awesome. We praise you, we thank you, and we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. This This has been Side by Side with Andrew and Alyssa. Love you guys. guys.